Hi everyone, Steve Perriman here as normal. Thank you for tuning in. So what a different week this has been after a fine victory over Leeds and another professional performance against Brentford to progress through to the League Cup final in April against our old Wembley foes, Manchester City. And then with an FA Cup tie against Marine to keep the football juices flowing. With the final put to bed now and something for us all to look forward to in these strange times, I have to say it's sort of difficult to over-celebrate with deaths and all sorts of problems medically. Uh, a fixture pops up that's got strange written all over it, sort of like the times we're in. Apparently, Marine are the lowest ranked team left in the competition. And it's a type of draw that has made the FA Cup so famous over the years. Looking through the history books, I've played against Margate away in similar circumstances in January, 1973. We won 6-0 in front of eight and a half thousand people, which must have been the full house because in chasing down information, of this match, some people who never, and I repeat, never missed the Spurs match anywhere in England and Europe, couldn't get a ticket for this game because of the limitations on capacity. Despite the 6-0 scoreline, this game didn't hold good memories for me. As I hit knees with an opponent in a challenge, on the edge of their box. And remember to this day that I've never felt pain like it and had to be substituted. My memory tells me it was about 10 minutes into the game, but it could have been anywhere before half time. Jimmy Pierce came on a sub for me and scored one of the six goals. Uh, Cyril Knowles, John Pratt, Chiv Two, and Martin Peters scored, scored the goals. The injury meant that I missed the next game, league game, the Ipswich, and therefore couldn't play the 42 league games maximum that season, uh, but only 41 instead. There's always a Spurs link to any of these games, even when you, you play at clubs like Margate. It was a real pleasure to track down Eddie Clayton uh, earlier today and I'll talk later about the calls that I had to make uh, to actually get number numbers to speak to him. Eddie tells me that he had five years uh, at Margate, that he was happy with the draw but realised his team had a tough job. He didn't think they'd have the legs to compete with us for 90 minutes, which is, which is normal for when a professional team is playing a half professional team, which is actually how it turned out. And they managed to keep it nil-nil till just before half time. And that half time point of reaching it is so important for the, for the lower team. Unfortunately for them, uh, 
Tottenham got a free kick on the edge of the penalty box. They set up a wall as ever. Big Chiv battered the, the shot, hit the wall. The ball fell immediately back to him, which he drove back into the goal for a 1-0 lead at halftime. Second half with uh, Margate running out of steam uh, was one-way traffic with Tottenham getting five more goals. And in Eddie's words, uh, we're lucky that it wasn't 10. Uh, also a negative from the Margate situation was that in the next round, we drew away to league champions Derby County. Went there and got a very creditable draw 1-1 with Chiv scoring again, our, our only goal, to take the game back to White Hart Lane. Nothing wrong so far, but in the replay, we were 3-1 up with 10 minutes left of the 90. Derby scored two goals to send the match into extra time. And our collapse continued in extra time to eventually lose 5-3. So somewhat red-faced, we went out of the competition. Any supporters that were there that night, it, it must be like a nightmare for me to, to go through that again. Absolutely. And us players felt that, that as well. We were in such a commanding position uh, to eventually go out. So Howard, you have some um, some memories for us and you have a particular memory of the Margate game, don't you? I do. I remember that Leeds replay. Roger Davis, I think was the guy. Roger Davis, centre forward. Yeah, suddenly suddenly was unbeatable. Yeah. He mm. looked like a bit of a donkey, actually, which is yeah, yeah. me. But um, he was a big lad, powerful and... Uh, he made us pay for any sort of um, confidence that we had that we were going to win that game. Okay, Howard, okay. over to you for your, your versions. So I'm talking about potential giant killing where the lower side are non-league and the other side are from the first tier and the lower side wins. That is true giant killing. In recent times, matches that I can think of were Lincoln defeating Burnley a couple of years ago and Sutton United, my local team when I was growing up, beating Coventry City, then of the Premiership. Our matches against non-league opposition include the following. In 79, we were drawn to play against Altrincham, where we drew one all, possibly our most embarrassing moment. We run the re replay with a Colin Lee hat-trick. In 93, we beat Bart Marlow 5-1. In 1995, Altrincham again, and again we beat them, this time 3-0. In 2012, we played Cheltenham and beat them 3-0. In 2012, although technically outside of the league, I'm including Stevenage, who got to round five, beating Premiership opposition on the way. We drew 0-0, and then on the 7th of March, we won 3-1. My personal favourite of these potential giant killings is, as Steve was just saying, the Margate game. Viv and I had taken the opportunity to grab a, week, a week's holiday in Mallorca. This was an old-style package holiday which included a barbecue evening. This was on the Saturday night after our 6-0 win. We were met at the front of the hotel by a coach. We got on the coach to see a lot of really rough men. Viv says I was scared. I say she was scared. We all know the truth. And we hurried by these men and quickly found our seats. 
The coach moved off to the sound of the leader at the front shouting, let's have a fucking song. We girded our loins and they started singing like angels. Glory, glory, hallelujah. They turned out to be an entire group of Spurs supporters. Just one other comment is the most unique result in FA Cup history and the terms we've talked about was that Spurs are, were and always will be the only non-league side to win the FA Cup, which we did in 1901. Well done, Howard. Thank you very much. So I mentioned that um, I made a lot of phone calls to actually track down mm. Eddie Clayton. So those people I called as I'm in a name dropping mood are as follows. Philip Bill, an absolute waste of time, Philip, as he didn't play at Margate because he was injured. So had no recollection of the game, didn't want to remember it, etc. Phil, do you remember if Eddie Clayton played against us or was he the manager or player manager? Don't know, Steve. Um, I have no recollection of the game. Then Pat Jennings, uh, not a clue, Steve, uh, but it was really still great to talk to, to Pat and catch up about COVID and their situation and okay. ours, et cetera. Then the great man, Cliff Jones. They're all great men, actually, even Philip. Um, Cliff has got a brilliant memory and but the number he gave me was out of date, so not good enough, but a delight to reminisce with. Uh, Mike England, he couldn't remember the game, um, but told me of his current situation. They felt, him and his wife felt very safe in North Wales, severely misses his, um, his golf and his, his holiday home in Spain, which they're not allowed to, to go to. So, um, so yeah, Mike could never understand why I never played golf at any stage of my career, even now in, in uh, retirement, don't play golf. And he thinks I'm missing out uh, big time. So um, this week I told a story about Mike. Um, I had an interview with Paul Coit, um, Talksport 2 is it and uh, it was the morning of the Brentford semi-final early morning and of course he asked did I sleep well and then how important is it in a player's performance that you sleep well you get good hours sleep of course so I told him a story about as a young player I would wake up sort of around 9, 9.30 on a Saturday morning at my mother's house when I'm 17, 18, before I ever got married. And straight away, as my eyes opened, I'll be thinking, did you sleep well? Have you had enough sleep? How does your body feel? How do your legs feel? What time shall I eat? Shall I just lay in bed for another hour? Or do you get too used to being rested? You should be around, walking around, you know, get the blood on the move. Anyway, I always wonder, do I, do I think too deeply about this in my preparation? Then one day we played a home game at White Hart Lane 
And as ever, we were in the dressing room for a two o'clock meeting. Collar and tie, looking smart, ready to go. And Bill gave us some words. He named the team and he named Mike England in the team, although Mike actually wasn't there in the meeting. And Bill qualified himself by saying that Mike has been, is late, he's been held up, but he's going to be here around about half past two and Mike England's in the team, Mike's playing, which was no surprise. It was a surprise that he was late, by the way, because that was frowned upon. So as Bill said, around about half past two, the door flies open, in comes Mike, big roll neck jumper, jeans, certainly not a collar and tie, looking disheveled, looking like he's been rushing. And he announced to us all that there I was in the garden, sorting out something in the garden. And I looked at my watch and I thought, bloody hell, it's Saturday. There's a game today. So then legged it at a very fast pace down the A10, I assume, to get to Tottenham as late as 2.30. I could not believe this because obviously Mike, a super pro, I, I don't really know too many better pros, a super pro hadn't thought about the game until he looked at his watch. So I think this put my uh, mental preparation into some, uh, some perspective. And, and maybe I, I didn't think so deeply about it in, in the future. So to finish, I just want to talk again about um, Eddie Clayton. He spoke really well of his time at Tottenham. Uh, he told me that he was very nearly playing in the starting 11 against Chelsea in the FA Cup 67 final as Mullers was a doubt. Um, Mullers eventually got fit and Bill Nicholson picked Jonesy, Cliff Jones as sub. So Eddie went from nearly playing to not even being involved. Um, and what a disappointment that was, although he understood. Um, Eddie told me that he's just had his second vaccination for this COVID, uh, in fact, had it today. And now he's 83 years of age, which I, I'm not sure I would have guessed that age. I actually knew his brother quite well, Ronnie. Ronnie um, Clayton, same name as the, as the famous footballer that played for Blackburn. Ronnie was a, um, a schoolboy scout for the club and I saw him on numerous occasions when I was attending training or schoolboy training or, or various games and events for the youth team. As you know, I'm a bit of a champion of homegrown players for obvious reasons, as I think it's important to remember every old player uh, that's helped bring glory and served our great club. Um, but especially homegrown ones, um, particularly those who showed loyalty um, when, you know, it, it's more to be loyal when you're not really being picked in the, in the first 11 but you're, you're known as a squad player, as the Eddie was. And th these players were vital, vitally important to the season's results when the bigger, more famous, maybe expensive ones drop out with, 
with injuries. And, and I think we're seeing at the moment with Liverpool having to do without their uh, massive, their great centre-back, how important it is, how, how difficult it is to get results when you haven't got your, your top liners there every week. Uh, also want to mention uh, Colin Bell. Colin Bell was a very understated footballer for Manchester City. What a great player he was. He was never underrated uh, by teammates or opponents alike. He was a top, top player with unbelievable lungs. And, and when you normally talk about running ability, you talk about someone who, who can't really play but can cover the ground. Well, not only did he cover an amazing amount of, of distance, um, but could score goals, would be up and back uh, many times during the game and was vital to the Manchester City league success and was, was always a... I, I, I really like... Of course, I like the George Best of the, of the, of the football world and top players with different skills, Glenn Hoddle and people like that. But I also have a great amount of, um, of fondness for people like Colin Bell. Billy Bonds is another one in that category. Brian Robson was probably more famous because he captained England with regard to his, his power and his running ability and an ability to score goals and, and defend his goal. But um, I, I think these... These players are, are vital to, to a team. They're vital cogs in the team machine. And I think we're seeing that in our own team at the moment with, um, with Hoivier in, in midfield and the job that he's doing. How classy was that with regard to the challenge that sort of put him off the field? I think he could have carried on, actually. I think he wanted to carry on. Um, but Jose decided not to risk him anymore. But how classy was that, that he made comments on Twitter, etc., to his opponent and said, you know, of course you didn't mean it, um, but you do owe me a new shin pad. And I don't know how you felt about that challenge, but from where I was sat in my front room, it was obvious to me that the lad actually slipped by trying to be too clever. And, uh, you know, sometimes when you try and be too clever, you're not clever enough. And I think he slipped into that challenge. So it was dangerous. I could understand why the referee uh, gave the red card and it certainly put paid to their, their chances, Brentford, on the night. But uh, I don't think that it was, it was nasty by any, any stretch of the imagination. So thank you all for listening. Um, uh, I can't see a problem with the with the game on Saturday, the FA Cup tie at um, at Marine. Um, I understand that uh, Jamie Carragher stepped up and replaced some some sponsorship money that the club had lost. So well done to him to come to the rescue, and well done you Spurs supporters for buying the virtual tickets and the virtual programs and all that goes with it similar to the way that you you put your money into Orient um, some days ago. And, and any luck that we're having at the moment, I think is, is more, than, more than been earned by, 
come back to the same word, the classy actions of our club, our players and our supporters in times like this. So well done to you all. Hopefully our, our run continues in the, in the four competitions and um, we can have a, a particularly good year um, in these difficult times. So thank you for listening. Um, thank you, Howard and Tom behind the scenes, not Howard sure. behind the scenes, but thank you very much for your, for your memories. And um, come on, you Spurs, let's keep going. <laughs>